Well, Shabbat Shalom, and welcome to Congregation Beth Adonai, and today we have an awesome lesson, hopefully, about the us versus them mentality. That's my mission, to talk about us versus them. And let's pray first. Father, we love you, and thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to be here together to fellowship, to learn from you, Lord, and, and to ultimately draw closer to you, Lord. And I just thank you for anyone who's under the sound of my voice who needs you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for revealing yourself to them in ways, Lord, and, and allowing them to listen, Lord. A lot of times it's not just you revealing, but us hearing your voice. And I give you praise for everything you're going to do today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. I want to start with a blessing, with a blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to immerse ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. The us versus them mentality. This is all over the place. And I say all over the place. I just want to start off with the scripture and what I believe should be the only us versus them mentality that we should focus on. And everything else is kind of, I'd say extra, but it's just kind of extra. So I want to start reading um, Ezekiel chapter 36. And I want to start at verse 22. And we'll go all the way down to verse 28. It says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before your eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will bring I will spring, excuse me, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And this is the part I want to focus on. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. I love that. One more verse. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. When you receive the Messiah, God removes from us a heart of stone. And he replaces with that a heart of flesh. That's so beautiful to me. So when we say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you, Lord. I'm going to accept this mantle that's in front of me. I'm going to accept what you've done for me. He takes, I wish we could visualize and see on the inside of us how that works. That's just how I, my brain works. How does it work? I don't know. But he said he replaced my heart of stone and, re and replaced it with the heart of flesh. So that means something occurred at that moment. At that moment, we are connected to our Father in a different way. Was God not speaking to us before then? I think God's speaking to people all the time. And he's speaking to people sometimes on the inside, even when people aren't born again, but just through us. That's the whole point. He's speaking to people all the time, and it's up to us if we want to listen. Because the voice is always coming. Abraham was born again. Some people think, what happened before the Messiah? Were people born again? Yeah, they were. It's really the same. Only difference is they saw, and some of them, some of them didn't know. They didn't understand it. But the Messiah was going to come to the earth to be crucified. That was going to happen. They just got born again before that happened. Let's read Genesis 15, 6, which I think talks about this briefly. It says, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. It was righteousness by credit. 
That's how we receive the Lord as well. It's no different. Abraham received it. I believe Abel received it that way. I believe Moses received it that way. The Messiah just wasn't here physically, hadn't died on the cross yet. That's what I believe. I received the Lord on the morning bench at Testerina Primitive Baptist Church. That's where my journey began. And I believe whenever we receive the Lord, that's like our, and this is the only us versus them that I believe is important. Because that's our mission on this planet is to tell people about the Messiah. Because eternity is forever. And if you don't know the Lord before you leave this realm, then you're, you're going to be someplace forever. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. And I want to continually be with God forever. And as long as we're with, with God here, we're continually walking with him. And I'm not saying we're perfect, obviously, but when I make... When I make the Messiah Lord, I'm going to continually be with him forever. That's the born-again experience. It's beautiful. Some people understand it on different levels. That's okay. That's just the way it is. Again, that's where my journey began in Testerine, the Primitive Baptist Church, years ago. And it's been a walk. And I think this is something that all of us do. It's a journey. We learn a little bit here. We develop a little bit here. That's the whole point. God is continually drawing us near to us as we allow him. Let me read that again. God is continually drawing us near to him as we allow him. Sometimes we think we're pursuing God, but really he's pursuing us. God is in hot pursuit of you. And that's how much God loves us. He's, he, he, he loves us so much. He puts people next to us. He put things in our path. And some y'all got stories all over the place, I know, because I've talked to many of you, of, of things that happen to people when you go, I didn't know that this was supposed to, well, God put that in that place. Maybe he put a block for you so that you could hear his voice. Maybe you were on your way to work and you got a flat tire. You didn't know you were supposed to get it. You're like, what's going on here? But maybe you got a flat tire for a reason. Maybe he was protecting you. Does that make sense? Sometimes things happen and we get all frustrated and angry, but sometimes we need to just relax and learn how to flow. And I'm talking to myself there. Because I know sometimes I can get like, I want to, this is supposed to happen, A, B, and C. Well, maybe it didn't happen that way. Completely different than you thought. Well, maybe God is just revealing some things to you, and you need to just calm down. Just calm down. Uh, Clarksville Family Bible Church in Tennessee. Baptism was, oh, there was a, a situation, and I'm just, this is a quick story. Um, we had a neighbor. We, had a neighbor. we have a neighbor now. But when we lived in Tennessee, uh, our neighbor next to us, we were, this is when me and Daphne, we were really involved in the church. We're still involved here, but we were really, really involved. We would have home Bible studies. People would come over sometime. We'd have Bible studies. Both of our kids, Jordan and Matthew, they were baptized in our home. We had this, we had a pool, and we would have sometimes a lot of folks out to the house. It was nice. It was nice. But, and I'm telling you that to say our neighbor, I would have conversation with them. And we would talk about just random things. And in mid-sentence, while we were talking, he just stopped. And he was just like, you know, I don't know why God is always putting these Christian people next to me. And then he just kept on talking. I was like, wow. Okay, well, great. It didn't really, it didn't offend me at all. But I said, you know what? That's what God does to us. Sometimes we are that people or that whoever that's going to be a light for people on this earth. That's the whole point. And it's in our jobs. It's in our neighborhoods. It's all over the place. And we need to understand that we are that we might be the only word that somebody else sees. So as we begin to learn Torah, as we begin to walk with God, see, he begins. And it's not nothing that we have to do. Sometimes we believe in witnessing the people. We got to go out and do all these things. Not really. Maybe. But if you're forcing something to happen, it's probably not really you. You just need to just be. Because sometimes if you be, then people will see who you are. You're just walking with him. And they're going to see it. That's just the way it is. So. My, next, my question was, where did your journey begin? Does everybody remember when your journey began? I bet you do. Everybody remembers. A certain place. And if we say, you know, I don't remember where my journey began. Well, maybe if you're online or if you're here in the congregation, um, and if you don't know where your journey began, that's when we need to be very honest with ourselves and say, you know what? I need to have a relationship with the Lord, period. Because it's something that we all have to develop. And it's something, I can't make my children do this as much as I want to. I want to just say, you're going to have a relationship. It doesn't work that way. Only thing I can do is be an influence to them. And hopefully they're going to hear it and they're going to go, oh, okay. I want to follow God as well. 
but they may not. That's just the way it is. Every generation has the task to share our faith with the next generation. And again, you can see this in the Amidah prayer. I wanted to read this. I love the Amidah. I just can't tell you how much I love it. This is my Sudur. And I want to read number 18. Shalos Esrim. Learn a little Hebrew too. All right, number 18 says, We thank you, for you, O Lord, are our God, are our Father's God for all eternity, our rock, our shield that saves. This is the point I want to focus on. You save through every generation, through every generation. That means every generation has to go through this, not just our generation, but the previous generation and the previous generation and Moses' generation, Abraham's generation, all of them generations, we all are doing our due diligence to tell people about the Messiah, period. Let me keep reading. We thank you and declare your praise for all your tender care. We trust our lives into your loving hand. We are always in your keeping. Your wonders and miracles are with us daily. Evening, morn, and noon. That's the Shakarit, Minka, and Marv prayer right here in the Amidah. O oh, you who are all good, whose mercies never fail us, compassionate one whose faithful love never ceases, we ever hope in you. And my whole point of reading that was that the, the rabbis and the sages knew that just because somebody was, and this is something that happens too, just because you were Jewish didn't mean you were connected to the Messiah. Well, there's a lot of Jewish we know now that aren't connected to Messiah at all. But just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you follow God. Because there's many Jews who are very secular and they don't matter of fact there are many Jews who are very atheists so it's our due diligence to do what we need to do to tell people about the Messiah and people in this all within your family and it's every generation has this job did the Jews do a good job of this maybe depends depends on the time period and sometimes I don't think they did so this is the only us versus them that is any significance to me Period. The main thing, when we say us versus them, because sometimes we can get into a us versus them mentality and we start excluding people and we will push people away from the Lord in like five seconds. I have many examples. Where we begin to identify with other groups above this, I believe, is an error. See, we, our identity should be in him. That's who our identity is with. And if you read the scripture, you, you listen to the different um, teachers, it's always their identity is with them. It's not in their group. Their group is it's important, but the main identity is in Messiah. Black, you shift gears, black is a label given to people that look like me in the United States, right? I have brown skin, so they call me, they say I'm black. Am I really black? Not really. I'm kind of a tan, a tannish color. But this is the label that I'm given in the United States. Is this good or bad? I don't think it's good or bad. I just think it is. That's just the label, and we understand that. But is that identity greater than my identity in Messiah? No way. It's not even, no, no comparison. Some of you who are not as brown as I am, you're a lighter color. Your identity, some say you're, you're white or Caucasian. Is that identity greater than Messiah? Absolutely not. We're all brothers and sisters here. Just some are a little lighter, different color. That's the way it is. Think of puppies. Anyway, I had to go there with puppies. You get a litter of puppies, do you think the brown puppies discriminate against the white puppies? No, that's ridiculous. And you know what? With children, children don't care either. Only time children start caring is when we teach them, is when they see it. Because kids don't care. I have some story, I have a few stories about that. Kids just play with anybody. Black, white, doesn't even matter. They just start playing. Like, all right, throw the football. Run. Do what you got to do. And this should be our mentality. That's, and when I say, that's why we got to get away from, as believers, the us versus them mentality. Because that mentality has started many wars because of those simple things. It's a big deal. Racism is reality. But my identity is in my Messiah. I, don't, I do not think racism is our major issue today. 
This is about as political as I'm going to get. I won't go too deep because I, I won't I want to fight nobody. I do not think racism is our major issue today. If you look at the data and if you look at statistics, one of our major issues, I believe, is the breakdown of the family. I think that's the biggest issue that we have. The breakdown of the family, the absence of fathers, it's not racism today. In my parents' day, it was probably racism. And probably and it was. In the day before that, it was absolutely racism. It was probably our major issue. But today, it is, it's not. It's just not. So I'm going to leave that at the door. How do we overcome this mentality when we see it in ourselves or others? I think that's the big deal. Because sometimes, and just to be honest, sometimes we can be racist if we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes we exclude people just because of the way they look or just because of maybe their height. Which teenagers were here? I was going to pick on them, but they're not. But um, maybe we, we exclude people because you're an athlete or you're not an athlete. We exclude people. You get my point? You exclude people because you have this economic status. And we shouldn't because that's not how it is what we sh as, as far as being a believer. As we, look at, as we look at things on a broad scale, this is the only reason why we need to focus on the color of our skin. I think I skipped back. But I think we need to understand we all have differences. I know some people say, I don't see color. I just think that's a lie. We all see color, okay? I see I'm a different color. We see, we see the differences. So it's okay to focus on that because sometimes this group of people, they're being discriminated against. So sometimes you need to gather data to just learn and understand. It's like in my classroom, if I knew that this group of kids are being discriminated against, I may need to do something to help this group. Do you think that's important? Absolutely that's important. But that shouldn't be my identity. But I need to learn. So I think in order to see different people, we need that in order to look at the broad scale. But as far as being a believer, my identity is in Messiah, period. God shows us things for three reasons, I believe. There's probably way more than this, but these are the three that I have. God shows us things so that we can pray. So sometimes you may see those things so that, okay, I see this situation, so I need to pray about it. Because maybe I don't know what to do. Maybe I see there's discrimination here. Maybe I see the police are um, doing certain things to this group of people. I don't know why that came up. Anyway, but you get the point, right? If I see this situation... I need to pray about it, so maybe I need to do something, and that's okay. Maybe I need to confront. Maybe I need to confront the issue. Maybe God is showing me this thing so I can confront the person. And maybe God is showing me this thing so I can avoid it. And you can bring this back to the individual. Sometimes we come across people in our paths that sometimes you need to maybe stay away from. Because some people, to be honest, are just very toxic. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes. It's not being mean, it's just understanding where people are. And if you know somebody is toxic, if you know they have a certain demeanor that's always us versus them, they're ready to fight you on anything, you know, you say any word, they're ready to, you know, say some words that maybe they shouldn't say. Well, maybe in this instance, maybe you need to avoid them. Maybe you need to pray for them. Maybe you need to confront them. But I believe that's where God deals with us, and that's why we need to be so I like to say pure-minded as much as possible so we can hear from God. Because really the answers come from him. I can read a scripture all day, but if I'm not hearing from God, I can validate my position on so many different points. Because honestly, I've done it. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. I know how to validate. I know how to prove my point with the scripture. I can make it, but sometimes you take it. It's not, sometimes it's not even out of context. I think it's simply about hearing from God. And what is God telling you to do in this situation? Period. As God puts you in positions of power, you have the opportunity to influence the change of individuals and nations. I believe that. Give you a great example. We just started school. school we're in um, a week and two days of school. It goes by so fast. It really did. Because I, I enjoy it. I actually have a, I have a great group of students this year. So far. So far, it's going to be great. The first three days, I call that the, we call it the honeymoon period. You know what the honeymoon is, right? Everything's all great. Everybody's nice. Yes. Yes, sir. Great. Then you get those real behaviors maybe after the third day. So we're actually kind of beyond that, and things are still going great. So I tell you all that to say, um, at the beginning of the school year, we got three teachers that are retiring. 
Um, they've been teaching for 30 years, 32, 33. But these teachers were, were and are such an influence in this school. At the beginning of the school year, they came, grabbed me and a few other teachers. We went to the front of the school, held hands, and prayed over the school. Isn't that influence? I love that. They just, and they don't care. Because you know, when, you, when I say they don't care, when you've been teaching for 30 years, nobody can't say much to you, okay? All they can, they're just going to say, that's just Mr. Such and Such or Miss Such and Such. It's just influence. And when you say things, people just listen because you've been there so long. But I think that's how it's supposed to be in every arena. We need to be that influential that people just listen to you because God is speaking to you and they just know it. And that's just the way, and it should be that way. It was awesome. Matter of fact, when we got done, one of the teachers, she, she had her oil out. This, this is just her, she, literally, I'm not just playing. She ain't, she's serious, okay? She had her oil, and she went and rubbed on the window. So she was anointing the whole front of the school with her oil. And the other teacher was walking behind her. She was praying in tongues, and everybody was just praising God. I just love it. People, other, matter of fact, students were walking in because they were coming in to register. They were like, what's going on here? And we just kept on praying, you know? I'm sure we probably broke all kind of rules. Okay, I'm sure the principal probably like, oh, I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to keep walking. He probably saw it, but he won't. Because, again, you have influence. If somebody wanted to make a big deal out of it, they probably could. But you know what? This happens all the time. I say this. Things like that happen in our school. Because it, when you have influence like that, you can do things, and people are just not going to say anything. And I think that's okay. Because guess what? Who else is not playing very fair? The enemy doesn't play fair, does he? No. He's not playing fair at all. So when we get an opportunity to speak God's word, when we get an opportunity to tell people about him or just to be, we didn't necessarily stop students and talk to them and teachers, but do you think they saw the influence as we were praying, walking through? Absolutely. They knew that, guess what? We're praying over this school. We're believing God for a great year. We're believing God for students that are coming in who are hurting, that they can receive the Messiah. We're doing that. And, that, and actually, we, it started out pretty good. We have, I think I told you all about the club we have. We met on Friday. It's a Bible-based club. We meet every Friday. And we had a great, great turnout. It was about 20 kids. We had four teachers there. We meet every week to have Bible study, talk about leadership. But again, this is one of, and one of the teachers, the one who was anointing everything it was all, she's over that club, and she's going to be retiring. So guess who gets to help take over that next year? Pray for me, okay? <laughs> Pray, pray. I don't want it to go down, and I don't think it will, because there's a lot of teachers and students who don't want it to go down. It's not. It's so much bigger than me. I'm just grateful to be a part of it, you know. And that's just how it should be. So when you go in your workplace, you should find other believers that are that you can connect with, so you can pray for each other. Because guess what? You need to uplift each other in their job, right? Yes. Maybe in the middle of that meeting, you like I know. Yes, I've been in the middle of meeting Lil and had to leave because it just got that rough with parents and teachers. I'll, ask, I'll be right back. i got to go just anywhere. I just, but anyway, sometimes you got to get away and maybe go and pray and then come back because sometimes you need to hear from. And sometimes when there's a lot of noise, it's hard to hear from God. I'm just being honest. It is, at least for me. And we got to learn how to shut the noise out and just hear his voice because God is always talking to us speaking to us. He, I believe million dollar ideas are on the inside of each one of us if we just learn how to listen and obey. And sometimes the million, the million dollar idea is just making up our bed when we wake up in the morning. I always like to get that simple because sometimes we want to get that deep and you want to try to change the world, but maybe you just need to make up your bed, um, floss your teeth, uh, make sure you do very simple things. And as you do those things, God begins to, to move you in a direction. Because really what you're doing, you're hearing from him. Because think about it. If I tell you to do something and we're in connection and you don't do it, do you think I want to tell you something else? Probably not. I'm like, you ain't listening to me. You're not hearing my advice. But when God tells us something, we need to do our due diligence if we know it's from him to do it. Because I want God to continue to speak to me all the time. Every day. Um, have a phrase. I learned it in one of the seminars we had. It was, um, a coward dies a thousand times before his death, but the valiant taste of death but once. I love that. I've been meditating on that since then. So that means we need to respond, because when we don't respond, we hear God. Honestly, we have coward tendencies. That's a nice way to put it. Do we all have coward tendencies? Yeah, sure. 
There's all kind of things that we're afraid of. Maybe God is pushing you to, maybe he's pushing you to start a new job. Maybe he's pushing you to start a new diet. I, would like to, I don't like looking at anybody when I say that. <laughs> anyway, but maybe he's pushing you to do all kind of new things. And we need to just do our due diligence to do it, to respond. And when we respond, God's going to walk with, that's the beautiful thing about God. He's going to walk you through the whole process. You'll start going this way. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Then somebody else is going to connect with you to help you. Then you're going to go this way. You didn't know. And then another door is going to open up as you go this way. And God's going to continue to help you through the process, if that makes sense. So the only us versus them mentality, get back to the topic, is either you know the Messiah or you don't. The other ones, again, they're good for statistics, but that's not your identity. I don't believe it should be. I have a story I want to talk about. And this guy's name is Daryl Davis. Anybody heard of Daryl Davis? He's a musician, and he's a black man, and he attends KKK rallies. Nobody heard of him? Okay, great. So y'all get to hear this story. You should look him up. Go to TED Talk, type in Daryl Davis. Well, not now during service. But anyway, you should go there later. But it's, he, he's awesome. Well, let me tell you the story as much as I can. Um, story of the Cub Scouts. When he, was, when he was 10 years old, he was a part of the Cub Scouts. And he, he says he, he's basically maybe one or two um, children that look like him, black kids in the area that he grew up with. Everybody else was not black, if that makes sense. All right. He was in the Cub Scouts, and they were in this parade, a Cub Scout parade. And, and, and as he was walking in this parade, they were throwing bottles. They were throwing soda pop cans. He was only 10. They were throwing rocks, little debris. And, but it was only from a small group of white spectators. This was in 1968. Okay? And obviously, he, didn't under, he thought that they were throwing it at everybody. But they were really just throwing it at him. And as soon as it happened, his leaders, they kind of grabbed him, and they, you know, they protected him, and they took him out. They took him out of there. And then later, he just had a lot of questions. And he figured out later the reason they were doing this was simply because of the color of his skin. I was y'all go, that's horrible. But guess what? Does this happen? Did this happen then all the time? Yes, because that was a mentality. How do you destroy or how do you get through that mentality? Let me get back to this. When he joined the Cub Scouts, and I like this part, he didn't know he was black. Get that. For a 10-year-old, you don't even think about it. You don't know if you're black. You just, it's not something that's in your mind, am I black or white. You're just a kid. And you're just playing with everybody and running around doing crazy stuff. I love that. Anyway, he figured out that they were throwing the bottles at him simply because of the color of his skin. When he got home, because his parents were not there, his parents asked what, had hap what happened to him. He said this was the first time, he said, so his parents, when he got home, and he told his parents what happened. His parents obviously were very upset. But he said this was the first time his parents sat him down and talked to him about racism. Because I guess they didn't even think about it. Maybe they should have. I don't know. That's not really the conversation right now. But anyway, you get the point. At first, he didn't believe his parents. But more incidents occurred, and he began to believe them. And he's taken us through a process of a 10-year-old. Of, of the 10-year-old's thinking. At the age of 10, he formed a question in his mind. How can you hate me and you don't even know me? Wow. It's very simple, but obviously at that moment, there are a lot of adults who didn't get that. He was 10. Yeah, that's right. He read everything he could to answer this question, but he never could figure out why. He's, he's still... I don't even know if he's still alive. This was 2000. Anyway, he was or is a professional mus musician. He may still be alive now. He later as an adult, and now this is his transformation. So he, he, he learned about this as a child racism. Okay? Now, and I told you he attends KKK rallies. Let me let, me, let me let you go through the process. He later as an adult had his secretary, because he's a musician now, he's an adult. He wants to learn. He's been reading as much as he could. He's been doing this over and over. Like He wants to learn about this. Um, anyway, so later as an adult, he had his secretary call, call a leader from the KKK. And the leader from the KKK's name was Roger Kelly. 
to set up a meeting and his, and his way in was to learn about the organization. That's what he wanted to set up. He just wanted to learn about the organization. Some of y'all may say, I, why would you want to do this? Let me keep going. They accepted. But guess what? They didn't know that he was black. They just thought he was, they were setting up a meeting. They didn't know it at all. So he figured out a way to infiltrate. He wasn't trying to go in and hurt anybody. He literally was, is going in to learn. He wants to, he wants to reach this group of people, and he wants to learn from them. He said he came, okay, he said the guy's name, Roger Kelly, he came without, with his bodyguards, and he saw him, and he was startled, obviously. So he came in the room, and there's a black guy. He's from KKK. The Roger Kelly, he brought his bodyguard with him, so both of them are there. You see the picture, right? We got the standoff. So Daryl, he reached his hand out. He said, nice to meet you. And the guy reached his hand out and shook his hand. That was a huge deal. That was step one. Obviously, everybody's on. I don't know what's going to go on here, but we're going to sit down and have a conversation. So they sat down. They had a conversation. He said the leader shook his hand, and this started a long process. Mr. Kelly let him know that he was, in, in all his language, he said he let him know that he was the superior and Daryl was the inferior. But that was his mentality. Some of y'all are like, I want to punch him in the eye. That's probably not going to help. Okay. All right. But Daryl was not there to fight him, but to learn from him. Where does this, what is, where does this ideology come from? Once you learn where it comes from, you can address it. And that's what he's getting at. There was an incident while they were talking, and there was a loud noise. It was, they, he said it was like a huge bang, and everybody got startled, and everybody was on their defense. And he said the, um, the, actual, the bodyguard put his hand on his gun like he was getting ready to, you know, but they were protecting themselves. And later they figured out that it was a, it was, they had a cooler, and it had a lot of ice in it. And as the ice melted, the soda cans kind of shifted, and it made this large noise. And they just all, later, they figured out that, and they said, you know what? And they just laughed about it. So that was something that just kind of literally broke the ice. No pun intended. Anyway, so that broke the ice for them, and then they were able to have a better conversation. And they laughed about it because they were so afraid of each other that they didn't know what to do. And I thought this was really good. Ignorance breeds fear. We fear those things that we don't understand. It's true. I can definitely equate this to math class. How many people are terrified of word problems? Tell the truth. Anyway, and that's okay, but once you finally figure it out, you go, oh, that's not that bad. Once you figure out all the detail, you start to understand it. Okay, that was a side note. I'm going to get back to this. So ignorance breeds fear. We fear those things we don't understand. Fear, if we don't do anything about it to learn about it, will breed hatred. You see what I'm saying? So you start off with fear, you don't understand it, and you continue in that fear, it starts to breed hatred. Because you're so, you can almost, and back to the math problem, some people literally hate. You start talking about math, it's like they're ready to cuss. Matter of fact, I get some of those words. It's like, dude, calm down, okay? It's not that, but people, if something you fear for so long, you just begin to despise it. And that's why you have to do your best to learn about it so you can understand it so you can overcome that. If not, you'll stay in that fear. Let's think of some things that some of us may fear. Like um, Daphne's not here so I can pick on her. Uh, she's afraid of uh, bridges, like to go over a bridge. She doesn't like it. I told her we need to one day just go to the top of the bridge and just stop and get out. I might have a fight on my hand right there, okay? I might get punched in the eye, maybe. But the point is, sometimes if you fear something, you got to do your due diligence to learn about it. And if not, you're going to continue with that fear for the rest of your life. Let me keep going. So English breeds fear. Fear, if we don't do anything about it, breeds hatred. We begin to hate those things that frighten us. That hatred, if not dealt with, will lead to destruction. Because people, obviously we know, people have fought wars over this us versus them mentality. It's us, somebody else, or them, whoever. This began a relationship back to Mr. Darrell. This began a relationship. He invited, he ended up invited the KKK member to his home. They're like, I don't suggest that. He obviously felt led. Okay? 
They would have conversations. He also invited others to talk with them. He invited Jewish friends. He invited black friends. He invited white friends. After several years, he began to invite him. Oh, I, but he, after several years, he, he began to invite him to his house. Then invited, and then the other guy invited him to a Klan rally so that he could learn. And that's how he got to the Klan rally. You see the process? It started off slow with the handshake. If the handshake didn't occur, guess what? That would have ended. But that took years for him to do that. And sometimes those type of relationships, it takes years to develop a relationship. Maybe your relationship with somebody on your work or in job, maybe it starts with a smile. Because some people are that like hard, like you can't even penetrate them. They don't even want to look at you. You know what I'm talking about. You know, and if people are that angry with life or whoever, I don't know what it takes to penetrate them. That's why I said sometimes there's three things we confront with people. We need to pray, we need to avoid, or confront. One of those, whichever one it is. Sometimes we just need to pray because sometimes you can put yourself in a position and you may get yourself hurt. Am I telling the truth? That's why you need to be led and understand these things. All right, let me get back. After several years, he began to invite them. I read that. They would have their hoods as he was at the KKK rally. They would have their hoods on, paraded. They would parade around the cross and all of that. Honestly, I'm just thinking that I probably would have been terrified. I'm just, I, I, maybe I'll go with him one day. I don't know. Maybe I'll meet him. That would be nice. Then they would say, as, the, as they bowed, this is one of the things they said. They said, for God, for race, and for country. And then they would burn the cross. Poof. Wow. Anyway, CNN got wind of this. And they did an interview of him. And then he's all, like I said, he's all over the news if you look him up. So his name is Daryl Davis. So one thing that Roger Kelly said was that I respect this black man because he will sit down and listen to me and I'll also listen to him. That's a big deal. Most people can't argue with respect. They might not even like you. Matter of fact, people might hate you. But they respect you because you listen to them. Because you look them in the eye and say, I don't like what you said. Matter of fact, I don't even like you. But I'm going to tell you that and be straight up. People respect that. Because you're just being honest. You're being open. Like I told you, I went to Florida um, last week hanging out with my dad. I love talking to my dad. But we agree on about 10% of the things that we talked about. <laughs> and that's okay. And I'll tell him, he know, he'll tell me, I don't agree with you at all on that. And we're just going to keep on going. But the respect level is there. Respect is a big deal, especially for guys. Respect is a big deal. In school, if you disrespect a guy in front of his peers, sometimes they won't even talk to you anymore. You just lost them for the whole year. So respect is a big deal for guys. I'm sure it's a big deal for, for females too, but it's more of a big deal for guys. So that's a little off topic. Um, again, this guy, he, he developed this relationship. There was a guy named Roger, Robert White. Um, after he developed... He developed such a relationship, he began to make friends with other Klan members. And some of the Klan members respected him so much that they gave him some of their uniforms so that he could use them for his research. Wow. I just, isn't that amazing? Anyway, that just messed up my mind. This guy's name, one of the guy uniform that he got, his name was Robert White. And Daryl had his uniform. And this guy, like a few years before that, it's from Baltimore, he said he had been almost, almost convicted. I guess he got off. But he was almost convicted of assault with the intent to murder two black men with a shotgun. And he, earlier than that, he had a charge of conspiring to bomb a synagogue. Wow. Some would say, I don't want to be nowhere near this guy. I understand that. But sometimes we got to do something a little different to reach people. Sometimes we need to reach people that are completely outside of what we would have thought of reaching. And I just believe, I just know that's God. God does things that we wouldn't even, we just don't even think about it. Back to our us versus them mentality. We have Jews against Christians. Not really as bad today, but we have it today, don't we? And, and years ago, you know we had Jews against, you were either Jew or you were Christian. Should we be against each other? Absolutely not. We should not be against each other. We should learn from each other. Matter of fact, you can be Christian and Jew, 
We just call it messianic. See how we give different labels? See, sometimes you label something, and now I'm going to make you an other because I labeled you. I can't talk to you no more because you're Jewish. Well, maybe you have way more in common with this person than the person over here that might be a Christian. So that's why you got to get to know people. you got to talk to people and be open enough to talk to people. We also have Christians against Muslims. Some people don't want to talk to Muslims because you're Muslim. Like, I'm not talking to you. You're Well, if you do that, you're breeding a mentality that's not going to make it any better. That's why we have to do something called we got to love people. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. we got to do our due diligence. But again, you need to be wise. That's why I said sometimes you need to pray. Sometimes you need to confront. Sometimes you need to avoid. That's why we got to hear from God. Don't just go out there. He said I should go to KKK rallies. No, I didn't say that at all, okay, unless you feel led to go. Don't do that, okay? But the point is you need to do your due diligence to hear from God to love on people, wherever that is. I'm not sure where it is because everybody has a different place to do that. And I did have, I wanted to talk, I didn't want to talk much about this, but think about all the recent shootings that we've had. It's been, okay, don't do that. That's what happened, you go to some sites. Think about all the shootings that we had. Was that all us versus them mentality? Most of them, yes. It was us, and I want to shoot y'all because I don't like you, because you're whatever. And that's why, again, maybe that person, I don't know who could have possibly reached that person. I don't know. But we want to reach them before we get to that point. When we're in that situation, I'm not trying to reach them. I'm trying to protect myself. So that will be definitely a I'm going to take you down situation, right? If somebody's coming in this building and they're trying to shoot us, I'm not trying to minister to them. I'm trying to take them to the ground, right? You see why you just have to know the situation. You've got to be led. Don't be ignorant. Like, I just want to love on everybody. No, don't be a fool. That's why we've got to be led. We've got to hear from God. And when God tells you to do something, do it. If he tells you to respond, respond. And y'all know, and I, I just tell y'all a few. Y'all know, what was the most recent one? The, the Walmart, that was what, 28 people? No, nine people were killed, and the Ohio one is the most recent one, where nine people were killed. And August 3rd, that was the Walmart one in El Paso, Texas. That one was 20 people were killed. All about the us versus them. Is it more than that? Something else just happened? I hadn't heard. Is that really recent, like in the past few days? Wow. And see, when, I, when we keep hearing things like this, I just know as believers we have a job to do. I believe we are, I don't even want to say secret agents, but we are agents all over the world that have been put there to minister to people. You know? Have you ever, um, years ago, um, I had a student, his name was Xavier uh, Minifield, I won't forget him, but um, he didn't commit suicide in my classroom, but he committed suicide while he was, you know, in my class. And that was pretty devastating for a lot of us. You know, we had a lot of conversation with him, and you could really see his his downward spiral, even though we couldn't put our finger on it. Because he would come in, he would be tired, you know, he would sleep half the class period, wake him up, hey man, wake up, what's wrong with you? Well, it's just, you know, because he, he was in a band, and he would go and play with this band. And I don't know what happened, why he committed suicide, you know, but we just don't know who that person that's next to us who's going through something is just like that. It could be like today. That's why when we get our opportunity to minister to people, we need to, we need to count that as a privilege. It is an honor when God brings, don't be like, oh, here we go again, I got it. No, it is an honor when God puts somebody in your path to be able to minister to them. That's why we need to stay prayed up and we need to be ready to, like I said, sometimes not to necessarily say anything, you might just need to be. You just might need to be there and they see your diligence and that's gonna minister to them. And that's our job as believers. Romans 12, 18. And then I want to talk about what's going on today for the last 10 minutes. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible. Sometimes there's things that happen and we necessarily, it's not necessarily going to be peace as we think about it. But if it's possible, we need to do our due diligence to be at peace with everyone. Amen? I want to read... Today is, anybody know what today is on the, on the, on the Jewish calendar? 
It's the ninth of Av. What's the ninth of Av all about? A lot, right? It has everything to do with the temple. I want to read this from the Amidah. I love the Amidah, okay? We're going to read, and this, this is going to point us to Tisha B'Av. You'll see it. You may not have never thought this, or you may have. I don't know. I'm going to read number 17. It says, Be pleased, Lord our God, with your people Israel and with their prayer, and restore the service to your holy house. Receive in love the prayers of the people of Israel. May the service of your people Israel be forever pleasing to you. See, the theme of the Tishbiav is to restore his holy house, is to restore the temple. Are we believing God for the temple to be restored? Yes, we should. This should be our desire that the temple is restored. Is it gonna, I believe it's going to be restored. Tomorrow will be great. Next week is cool, too. Whenever it happens, but I want to believe it. When we, we tell, we say peace to somebody, we say shalom, we're really saying, I believe your shalom means everything is complete in your life. So when I say shalom, it means nothing is lacking. Nothing as far as your finances on an individual level. But if I say peace, I'm saying that the temple is restored, that everything is brought back to the way it should be. We should be walking with God that close. And that's what it means by the restoration. So when I say peace, I mean, I'm saying it should be restored. Amen? And so today is, the question is, where are we? Today is August 10th, 2019. It's the 9th of Av. And our grandmother and grandfather, Adam and Eve, yeah, you know, you know grandma and grandpa, Adam and Eve, uh, they created, they were the first human beings, y'all know that. About 4,000 years ago was creation. In the beginning, Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim v'et Ha'aretz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I've been practicing my Hebrew, okay? I'm working at it. I'm working. But God created us, and it started with our great, 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 how many greats is it? Okay, we're not, lots, right? Great to the 9,000 power. We probably could go and calculate it and make it close, but we're not going to do that. But you could. You really could. Because we've estimated that creation occurred about 4,000 B.C. And it's, you know, I think that's a pretty good estimate. Um, the flood occurred about 2,500 B.C. And I'm saying these dates and names because it shows that we're all connected. We all come from great, great, great granddaddy and grandmama Adam and Eve. Even though we have all these little wars all over the place, that's why I say the only us versus them mentality that we need is whether you made Messiah the Lord of your life. Everything else is extra. It's just, it's just extra to me. It is. And that's the mentality I believe God wants us to have. And if you look at Zechariah 8.19, actually 8.18 I want to start. It says, And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth and the fast of the fifth the fast of the seventh and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Just to show you the, the, the ninth of all, when they say the fast of the fourth month, that's actually the 17th of Tammuz. The fast of the fifth month is the Tisha B'Av. And the fast of the seventh month is actually the fast of Gedalia, and we're not even going to be, everybody thinks and actually, there's different opinions on it. But if you think about the seventh month, what fast do you think about in the seventh month? Yom Kippur. That's in the seventh month. So everybody think, but really, the Yom Kippur fast, that is, in the scripture, a lot of times, it's referred to as the fast. This is actually a minor fast. Everybody, when you say the fast, it's just known that it's talking about Yom Kippur. So I believe in just looking at this other opinion. So... And I wanted to read, and I'm not going to be able to read this in five minutes. Let's read a little bit about Tisha B'Av. All right. This is actually about the 17th of Tammuz, but he talks about it here. Let's read it. It says, the Rambam, and this goes back to our uh, mentality as well. There are some who don't want to hear from the rabbis who are believers because we say, you know what? I don't need to hear from the rabbis because they're Jewish. So they're not Christian. So I'm going to stay away from that. See that us versus them mentality? I can learn from a, a lot from rabbis unless I'm a fool and not learn from somebody who's been studying the scripture all their lives. 
It's kind of like going to surgery and you have someone who's not like you, but they've been a surgeon for 30 years and you're not going to learn from them. How foolish do you think that is? It's the same way with the rabbis. There's no different. That's why I love learning from the rabbis. Even though some of the rabbis, matter of fact, most, I can't make a statement on that, most or a lot, but a lot of them are not messianic. They do not believe in the Messiah. So as you're reading about the rabbis, you need to understand that. But it's okay, because they still have a lot of wealth of information that we can learn from them. So, All right, let's talk about the Rambam. Um, the Rambam states, there are days where the entire Jewish people fast because of the calamities that occurred in those days to arouse their hearts and inspire them to the paths of teshuva, repentance. The Rambam continues mentioning the four dates on which fasts are instituted because of the destruction of Jerusalem and the Beit HaMikdash, the third, Tishri, the third of Tishri, the tenth of Tevis, the seventeenth of Tammuz, and the ninth of Av. That's the ones I just talked about. He explains that these fasts are specifically mentioned in the prophetic tradition for Zechariah, which we read, refers to the fast of the fourth month, the Tammuz, the fifth month, Av, the fast of the seventh month, Tishri, and the fast of the tenth month, which is Tevis, indicating that the practice of fasting was not ordained by the sages after the destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash, but was observed in Babylon after the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash, even after the return of the people of Eretz Israel. These fasts were still observed. We regard, with regard to the 17th of Tammuz, the Rambam mentions five reasons for the fast. And I bet y'all remember these reasons. I know we've talked about them before. The tablets, the um, Ten Commandments, the Luchot, Habrit, were broken. In the era of the first uh, Beit HaMikdash, the offering in the daily sacrifice ceased. In the war leading to the destruction of the second ha um, Beit HaMikdash, the walls of the Jerusalem were breached. And Apostomus, the wicked, the wicked, burnt a Torah scroll. And he erected an idol in the sanctuary. And I think, um, for the lack of time, all these fasts, they're all connected to the temple. That's the big deal. They're, they have something to do with the temple on the restoration of the temple. And that's why, and if you plan on fasting on this day or the 17th of Tammuz or any of the other days, and I don't think we do that as a congregation all the time, but if you individually want to fast, when you're fasting, you want to, I believe, and if you listen to the rabbis, we should be thinking about the restoration of the temple. We're thinking about God bringing back his holy house. And I think that's the whole point there. And I think we're out of time. So we should pray. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for just allowing us to be with you and to draw near to you. Lord, show us how to get rid of, remove that us versus them mentality. Lord, if we, if we have any seeds of that inside of us, Lord, show us how to walk with you better, Lord. And I just thank you for helping us to be a light to people that we come in contact with, Lord, to show them as well. And I give you praise for everything you're going to do in Yeshua's name. Amen.